Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. getting teary-eyed I think your coach is too <laughs> I think he's probably crying um, this is just incredible honestly when I started my comeback at Wimbledon I I could have never even dreamed of something like this happening having these results and then making the semifinals at my home slam my favorite tournament um, it's indescribable well congratulations to Sloan Stevens who is now on to the U.S. Open semifinals after defeating Anastasia Sevastova, possibly to face Venus Williams. Now, sure. Venus takes on Petra Kvitova in about an hour, but Sloan is on to her first Grand Slam semifinal, Mike, since 2013. Hate to play the what-if game, uh-huh. but if Venus makes it, and we know what a hometown, uh, well, not hometown, but like what a home favorite she is, sure. especially, specifically at this tournament, then what? I'm rooting for Sloan. Yeah. I, grew, I mean, I'm I just a, I'm can't, for Sloan. Like, I just can't what a comeback story. The better story is Sloan. You're probably Venus right. Venus legacy has secure. Had, she's had her time. Exactly. I'm rooting for, rooting for Sloan. A, because of the comeback. B, shout out to Sharita Johnson, the yeah. fairy godmother of his and hers. That's right. my niece, so I'm a little biased. What's good? Welcome to the best 60 minutes of your day. Coming up, we'll tell you who's a lot to take home NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year and why 62 or not, Giancarlo Stanton's season is a lot to go down as an all-time great. That's later, coming up pretty soon. We got a Spygate, another Spygate sequel coming out of New England. This one not involving the Patriots. And Kevin Sumlin claps back at that clown of a Board of Regents member at Texas A&M. Yeah, but we start with the latest on Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, as it stands right now, NFL arbitrator Harold Henderson has yet to issue a ruling on Ezekiel Elliott's appeal of a six-game suspension on domestic violence. But there Zeke is. A short time ago, entering a courtroom in Sherman, Texas, where the NFL and NFLPA lawyers will sort of battle it out uh, over this temporary restraining restraining order that they're seeking. So a whole lot of mess, a whole lot of legalese. Stop Mm -hmm. me if we've been in these situations before when it comes to the NFL. But as this process has dragged out Mm -hmm. and don't think it's not purposeful that the exactly. that the NFL did not issue a ruling about whether or not uh, uh, his appeal, what would happen with that today uh, with Harold Henderson. But are you has all of this you and I have tried to maintain a sense of fairness and balance in discussing this issue. But I think we both have sort of said, even though treading lightly, that this feels like an orchestrated campaign, regardless of what the evidence says and doesn't say to make an example out of Ezekiel Elliott. Or at least to clean up the Ray Rice, Josh Brown domestic violence mess. And we hope to have our legal expert Ryan Smith on later to play a lawyer on TV so we don't have to, okay? But in terms of the lack of a ruling as we speak, you mentioned it. It seems to be so that the NFL's argument that the NFL PA jumped the gun by, appeal, by going for a restraining order for a ruling that didn't happen, now they can say, hey, throw this out preemptively before we even have a ruling, which doesn't make sense to me as I say it. <laughs> but, right. but, uh, but that seems to be, right. this seems to be about a game of chess, not, not checkers involved here. But to your point, I'll just use the word unfair. And I hesitate to use that word because I know we're talking about somebody who might have 
might have committed an act or acts of domestic violence. And that type of person elicits no sympathy from the general public, including myself. However, I never want to operate in a world where you're guilty until proven innocent. And the, 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 um, the law did not prosecute, let alone charge Ezekiel Elliott or convict Ezekiel Elliott. So for me, I am not going to approach this as if he committed this crime. And I'm certainly not going to approach, approach this as if the NFL, its job is to administer its form of justice. So to me, and, and Adam Shepard has already cleared it up earlier, that there is no such thing as this, this rule that by four o'clock today, he, this had to be decided or else he's eligible for week one. Apparently, the NFL is not beholden to any sort of timetable. So with all that in mind, as far as I'm concerned, this is unfair because the Cowboys, Ezekiel Elliott, the Giants, the public, everybody deserves to know or should know by now, giving you that a year to investigate this, days to hear the appeal, and a weekend to, to decide this, you should have made a decision by now so that everybody can move forward with this process, which has been dragged on long enough. And in terms of the appeal, I know a lot of people have talked about, well, what if, he, uh, what if the number of games is reduced? Still got to fight it. It, to me, it can and why only, would it, they reduce it? It can only be zero or six. Either for both sides. He, for both sides. Either he did it or he didn't do it. And so, for me, it, that it can only go one or two ways in terms of uh, of the conclusion. So this isn't you didn't cooperate by turning over your phone. Right. So we'll knock it down to four. This is you either did it or you didn't. And our baseline is six. So then keep it there. Mitigating circumstances apparently notwithstanding in this case. All right, uh, awful circumstances looking uh, the state of Florida is facing right now. Sunday's Bucks-Dolphins game will not be played in Miami as scheduled due to the potential impact of Hurricane Irma on South Florida. That game was scheduled for 1 Eastern at Hard Rock Stadium. It will not be played in Miami on Sunday, the NFL announced. And that's all we know right now. We don't know whether it's going to be rescheduled, played at a neutral site. We also know that Irma had strengthened to a Category 5 hurricane as of Tuesday morning. Let's bring in NFL insider Jeff Darlington, who is in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Uh, Jeff, best to you and and your family. You obviously make a home in Florida. Uh, What's the latest in terms of what you're hearing on how the league will respond to this storm? Well, we've got a tricky one here, Michael, and it all does have to do with timing. Right now, the league is looking at this situation, and they know they're not playing the game at Hard Rock Stadium on Sunday. They haven't yet made a full decision on whether it will be played at a neutral site on Sunday or later in the season. Now, I am told by sources that they are potentially leaning toward a Week 11 game when the Bucks and the Dolphins both would have a bye. Of course, that would eliminate both teams' bye week. That's why they are considering other options with the neutral site. But we should point out that the league currently does deem it unfair right now to play the game in Miami, whether it be Thursday or Sunday. And that is because of a couple reasons. First of all, the governor has declared a state of emergency. The mayor in Miami has declared level one readiness. And I can explain a little bit about what that means. It essentially means that police have put into what's called alpha bravo mode. And that means that they're on 12 hour shifts now. The league basically says there's no reason for us to take away resources from what is clearly a state of emergency to go ahead and try to play a football game. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, the football side of things, they certainly would like to play this game and have their bye week, but we're talking about a very serious situation with a lot of potential impacts, a lot of logistics being considered. The league has not made that formal decision yet. I would anticipate it being formalized by tomorrow morning. That's when we'll know whether it will be a neutral site or, in fact, later in the season. All right, so UCF as in Orlando has changed this game against Memphis to Friday night. Uh, Florida is monitoring the situation, and Oregon and Oregon State may also move games. Just want to follow something up uh, real quick with you, Jeff. You said that they're leaning toward 
using that week 11 bye, which both teams share. How terrified, for lack of a better phrase, and this is a best, the, the best of bad options that they're trying to choose from, how terrified are your sources at the prospect of these two teams playing 16 consecutive games this season, 16 consecutive weeks, excuse me? I don't know. The people that I've heard from aren't from Florida. They haven't been here for a hurricane. So I have a tough time really rationalizing their opinion with what's happening right now. I can tell you that I just spent several days in Houston, and if we have already forgotten what happened there, and we're looking at a stronger storm currently in the Atlantic Ocean, and we're worried about player safety, talking about a 16-game season, perhaps it's fi- uh, about time to maybe focus on the hurricane and the storm. Putting opinions aside, though, Michael, mm-hmm. certainly I understand the focus that a football team has as they're entering week one of a season. I just also would point to some of the logistics involved right now. We're talking about families that would have to figure out their evacuation plan while these teams are preparing to potentially play a game. I can tell you it's no easy task. I'm about to go put up hurricane shutters myself right now. I got my family on a plane this morning so that I could do just that, and I don't have a football game to focus on. So quite frankly, I don't necessarily agree with the opinion of the players, Michael. I think that we should be focusing on the bigger distraction, which is the massive hurricane in the Atlantic Ocean right now. Well put, Jeff. Uh, All the best to you and your family. Stay safe. We'll be thinking about you. Thanks for joining us. And if you haven't seen Jeff sit down in his piece with uh, J.J. Watt Mm -hmm. in Houston, Definitely check it out on ESPN.com. Jeff, go ahead and take care of your business, man. Thank you. Meanwhile, Major League Baseball has determined that the Red Sox executed a scheme to steal signs from opponents, catchers, and games against the second-place Yankees and other teams. This according to New York Times sources. This inquiry began about two weeks ago after Yankees GM Brian Cashman filed a detailed complaint with the commissioner's office that included video that the Yankees shot in the Red Sox dugout during a three-game series in Boston last month. The Red Sox have admitted to this. The problem is not stealing signs, which is not illegal, as you know, Jamel. It's using an Apple Watch. Are you wearing yours today? I am not wearing mine today, of all days. Come on, we dropped the ball. We got the MacBooks here. On my watch. Dave Dombrowski, (laughs) he uh, just moments ago spoke to the local media, and he says that uh, it's usually GM to GM sign stealing. Sign stealing, excuse me. Complaints are handled. He's never seen one uh, called up to the commissioner's office. And he thinks that the Yankees did this just because the commissioner is at Fenway. Rob Manfred's at Fenway. You're, yeah, you're laughing. Okay, so yeah, I guess, I guess like true response. One of those petty or part of the game. I always reject. Yeah, which one is it? Petty or part of the game? I think it's petty more than anything because, and, and this, yes, everybody now is getting off so many Deflate Gate jokes. Spygate. Spygate. I'm sorry, not Deflate Gate. Um, Spygate jokes. Uh, that yeah, and of course it, it would have to be the Red Sox. But I kind of, I kind of share a similar opinion as then as I as I do now. So either you're cheating or you're not. And these gray areas and, and, and splitting these hairs of cheating say, oh, you can cheat this way, but you can't be too technological about it. Right. Otherwise, you're taking it too far. Like, well, which was the spy game. Which was spy they, game, was essentially. It's like everybody, they videoed, they videoed it. That's when they took it too far, even mm-hmm. though everybody does some level of thievery when it comes to um, stealing some of those things. So their issue is not that they did it. The issue is that they improved the system. I, you know what I'm saying? I, I, it's I just like, you. all right, man. I hear you. So your issue is with the rules as they are currently written. My issue is that, okay. It's with the hypocrisy of it. Like, oh, we all do it. But when one of us decides uh, to use technology to you're aid in what we, then you're far. taking it too far. It's like, okay. Okay, but if you know those are the rules, if you're going to cheat, just look, on many levels. Because I don't, I don't want to take this to an insecure level. <laughs> Okay, but this is Daniel's text being caught by Lawrence while you sleep. See, why are you bringing this no, up? No, I, 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 I hate to derail it. I hate to derail it. But if you're going to cheat, don't be so sloppy with it. Right. They admitted it, okay? They got caught on video using 
uh, broadcast and instant replay video. You're using a- Apple Watch from the dugout, okay? So it's not like you're doing it where somebody wouldn't see it. At least be slicker than a six-year-old is all, is all I'm asking for. When all they they know is using the advancement society has made. And you want to talk about Penny, <laughs> now you got the, the Yankees, uh, excuse me, the Red Sox, they counter-complained, saying that the Yankees use Yes Camera. So all I'm saying is if you're going to do it, at least do it where you don't get caught. And if you know you can't use electronics, then don't use electronics. Not that it helped them that much, at least for the year, that is. They had 196 against right. the Yankees this year, but in that series, when guys on second, they seem to be seem to be hitting much better. But either way, just cover your tracks. Everybody, go to your room. What's the punishment for this? Every, just go to your room without dinner. Draft picks are fine. They're not going to take away no, wins or anything not. like that. Okay, some college football here. New AP poll was released earlier today. Alabama still number one after claiming all but one of the first place votes. Followed by Ohio State, Clemson, Penn State, and Oklahoma. After their win over Florida, Michigan moved into the top ten at number eight in Florida State. I think number three in the preseason poll prior to the Alabama game, they dropped all the way to 10 uh, new entries in the top 25 this week. In case anybody wants to know, TCU now 23rd, Notre Dame now 24th. i tell you what stood out to me about this poll, Mike, is the fact that they have preemptively punished Florida State for obviously losing their quarterback. uh, 10's too far. DeAndre uh, Francois. Rather than see how their season played out, because I have a hard time believing that if he weren't hurt, and lost for the season, that they would have dropped them this far. They would have given them some points, at least for playing a team of Alabama's caliber. And that just seems a little odd to me. And it goes into the pot of the 3,000 reasons I hate the preseason college football poll because you're jumping out there and making these assumptions. Like, I would love if the poll came out after the first month of, a, of the season. Give Florida State a chance to derail its season before you do it for them. You know how little a difference, and obviously DeAndre Francois' injuries makes a huge difference. You know how little a difference there is between the preseason poll and the poll after week one? It's practically the same thing. I mean, who, who are you taking out of the top ten? The problem is you got nine teams ahead of them, you know, that they thought were more impressive in victory than Florida State was in defeat. I don't – I think – Having them at 10 is just saying, hey, you lost your quarterback. It doesn't look good for you the rest of the way. One of the toughest schedules in the country. But we were that impressed by, I don't know, Michigan and its young defense Mm -hmm. against a Florida team that's offensively challenged to begin with, let alone had everybody and his mama suspended for game one. The takeaway I had and the thing I would say about this poll, to your point about not putting too much stock into it, is all that matters is not the numbers next to them or not who got a vote. I think the only people other than Alabama to get a first place vote was Ohio State. And speaking of Ohio State, the only thing that matters is who's next. Two five. We got another top five matchup in week two. Ohio State, Oklahoma. I know it was UTEP, but Baker Mayfield no, looked damn that was my good in that opener. pick to win the Heisman was Baker Mayfield. Um, I, I'm hearing how contrite he was, knowing the talent that he has, knowing the team they have. And I know with Bob Stoops just leaving, people are a little bit skeptical, saying, oh, with, with such a big figure in the program leaving, will they be okay? High on Lincoln I, I, think, I think they'll be really high um, on them, or, or should stay high on them. Another team that kind of stood out to me mm-hmm. that arguably was the most impressive I saw, maybe in addition to Oklahoma, was Penn State. Mm. Um, they they look re- they look in midseason form right now. And I, again, I know I'm taking into consideration the competition, but it's interesting because Michigan, as of now, the next ranked team that they play will be Penn State in late October. And that's that's in uh, that's in State College. And so it's setting it up for this gigantic showdown and maybe even for an opportunity, as much as it sickens me to say, uh, for Michigan to kind of continue its path maybe toward a college football playoff. All right, since we shout people out, I'm going to just shout out Clemson, Kelly Bryant. Oh, again, terrific. For, 
First game. Yeah. Okay. Don't want realizing the competition. Don't want to make him more than what he is. But he but looked good. Again, who's up next? Right. Auburn. So we'll see what you really made of in week two. Texas A&M. Of course, blew that 34-point second-half lead to UCLA on Sunday night. Second-largest comeback in FBS history, topped by some school in East Lansing, Michigan, or something <laughs> like that back in 06. After the game, Tony Busby, he's a member of A&M's Board of Regents, he posted some just ill-advised rant on Facebook, just went in saying that Kevin Sumlin can't coach in big games and called for him to be fired. Sumlin responded to that. People are frustrated. I'm frustrated about a lot of things. I'm, I'm not real happy. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of things being said um, about this program, and our focus is on us. That never changes. My focus is on uh, what we can do to be better, and um, I really don't have time to to get involved in uh, things that are said about the program or about me or whatever. I've just never been that kind of person. Yeah, you know what? I'm not the type of person to do things and make sure this is true. Nobody comes with receipts. <laughs> yeah, I don't do things for likes and retweets and right. shares and follows and all that kind of stuff. I have a problem with this Board of Regents member saying what he said on Facebook. Like, to what end? Like, do you think talk radio or the local media or the fan base? Kevin Summer was already on the hot seat, and justifiably so. Everybody watched the game. I thought it was inappropriate for him to take that to Facebook as opposed to the chairperson of the Board of Regents, Charles Swartz. I love what he said to ESPN, which is, you know, I'm going to keep this behind closed doors. Right. Everything I say is going to be in, in the meeting room, and we will let our athletic director Based on our recommendation, in, in part, but we'll let our athletic director take care of the situation. I'm not going to go to Facebook and, and and turn up the heat after this game when really the spotlight, the, it, Kevin Summers on the hot seat, the spotlight should be on Josh Chosen Roses. It should be on him because, okay, in the weekend when we saw some top five, like Sam Darnold, some top five projected quarterbacks struggle opening weekend, Josh Rosen came out and had the type of, put, put the type of film out there that he could show to any NFL club and say, hey, you want to see how performing the chips are down? Here you go. The story should be about him throwing up a 292 in the fourth quarter, not about Texas A&M crumbling. I know that's what they're thinking about in College Station, but the national story, unfortunately, is about a board of regents as opposed to that kid. And not only that, it's so, con- it's so counterproductive because all you're doing is drawing even more negative attention toward the program that you claim right. to Way love. Way to help them going into next week. Yeah, it said Kevin Sumlin didn't need any help on that hot seat. As you mentioned, he was firmly there given how these last few seasons uh, ha- have gone. But, look, as, as much as Josh Rosen, as he showed and as you just put it, put on film, and people have looked at him as one of those top-tier quarterbacks that could be taken early in next year's draft, it's just inexcusable to lose a 44-10 to 10 lead. It's, that's inexcusable. Maybe UCLA took it. Nope. It's inexcusable. It's no excuse I'm, I'm a positive guy. And so I glass understand the frustration. Well, I'm, I understand the frustration of the region. And for that matter, all A&M fans, it's just that given his position and right. his title you got to control stature, your emotions in that he, situation. He can't be – like he can't be Joe Fan ranting on the message board. Right. All right. You have to hold your, You have to be a little bit more mature than that. And instead of inviting all this negativity, like your voice will be heard. Definitely. And, 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 and now the you outcome. Make a look, and he's probably out of there. He's got right. two years left. Probably not gonna make it. Nice little buyout of eleven million though. As it stands right now, NFL arbitrator Harold Henderson has yet to issue a ruling on Ezekiel Elliott's appeal for a six-game suspension for domestic violence. Meanwhile. Uh, the NFL and the NFLPA lawyers and Ezekiel Elliott. They are in Sherman, Texas, where uh, they are having a hearing or participating in a hearing on a temporary restraining order in Sherman. And with that, and to help us 
break down everything that's happening. Legal analyst Ryan Smith joins the six. Ryan, how do you expect Ezekiel Elliott's appeal to play out? Well, Jamel, I think it's the legal equivalent of a Hail Mary pass at this point. I don't think he's got a great chance. Here's the reason why. You can't ask a court to do something based on something that, doesn't, that hasn't happened yet. Essentially, his team is going into court and saying, we expect Harold Henderson to rule in a way that we won't like, so courts, stop that from happening, let my guy play. This controversy for courts isn't ripe yet. Usually courts will wait to the arbitrator to decide, wait for that process to run its course, and then they're willing to consider it. So on that basis, the stay is very tough for Ezekiel Elliott to get. So with that said, no coincidence that the NFL seems to be taking its time uh, with an initial appeals ruling so <laughs> that it's a moot point when it comes to this hearing that is probably going on right now. Well, I think, the NFL, I think, Michael, the NFL would tell you that uh, Harold Henderson may notify both parties when that decision goes down. This isn't an inside job, but rather you've got to give Henderson the time to actually go through everything, make a ruling that's airtight because he knows it's going to be picked apart by the NFLPA, and that takes time. On the flip side of all that, think about what Elliott has to do in court. He has to prove, among other things, that he's got a substantial chance for success and he's suffering irreparable harm to get that TRO. Those are both really high bars. Courts don't want to interrupt arbitration decisions, as we saw in Brady and others. So I think at this point, Elliott is just throwing up that pass and seeing what sticks, and you never know what a court might do. All right, and as we have uh, clarified earlier, whether Ezekiel Elliott is still on the roster or was still on the roster by uh, 3 p.m. Central Time this afternoon had no bearing on whether or not he's eligible to play in the opener. So we wait. Ryan Smith, thank you for joining us, man. We appreciate it. Sure thing, right. you guys. So if you look on ESPN.com, we got a ridiculous NFL preview section. Highly recommended. Uh, one of the bold predictions is that Carson Wentz will outplay Dak Prescott. Whether that has to do with Dak taking a step back with sophomore slump or Carson Wentz with all the weapons that Philadelphia has supplied him with. Darren Woodson's with us. Darren, who's likely to have a better season this year, Wentz or Prescott? Well, how are we measuring better season? Are we measuring mm-hmm. it by wins and losses or, or bigger numbers? I bet you that's how the quarterbacks are measuring it. Oh, yeah. Well, listen, I, if I'm measuring it from, from statistics, I, I think that Carson Wentz has a legitimate chance. Yeah. Nelson Aguilar is coming around mm-hmm. in his third season. He's had a, a great preseason. You see what they get with Torrey Smith, uh, Alshon Jeffrey on the outside. He has weapons now that he can throw the ball down the field and drive the ball down the field. So I think he has the opportunity to have a bigger season uh, as far as numbers-wise. I think the Cowboys are built differently. Mm-hmm. They want to run the ball. They want to smash-mouth it and then set up the deep passes to Dez Bryant or Cole Beasley or whatever weapons they have. I think they win more. The Cowboys win more games. Right, which is most important. The Eagles. But at the same time, I think Carson Wentz is going to be a superstar in this league. I yeah. think these two going – what I like about this is these two – we're going to be talking about these two for years to come – and they're both going to have great seasons for years to come. But this year, I think the Cowboys are a better football team than the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, what's interesting to me is that some of these questions posed about the type of year that Dak Prescott will have yeah. almost are already sort of insinuating or presupposing that a slump, slump, is, is, coming. A slump right. is coming. That so he can't get better. That he can't get better or oh, yeah. that they can't rely on him and that – 
I hate to use this term, but it's used often with quarterbacks as if he's a quote-unquote game manager. What kind of sophomore season for him do you anticipate? You know, I, we saw this kid grow in, as the season progressed last year. And I, I think it got into week eight and nine. You started to see that, you know, there's this whole it factor deal. There's something about Dak Prescott, whether it be in high school where he, he took over from an injured quarterback and, uh, and, and took the job over and was lights out, or Mississippi State where he put mm-hmm. Mississippi State back on the map. He took over for Tony Romo, who is Tony Romo, one of the great, great well, in Dallas's perspective, one of the better no, quarterbacks in the league. Cool. He's, cool. he's one of the league. best You're among friends. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so, you know, he took over for a guy who had been there for a number of years, yeah. was the mainstay, was the franchise, and came in and played extremely well. I think there's something about Dak Prescott where he's going to take his game to the next level. And it's not just as a football player, but it's the leadership that he mm-hmm. brings in that locker room. They rally behind him. They understand he's a young guy, but he's the guy. When they talk about the lightning rod of this football team and the face of this football team right now is Dak Prescott. Well, he's been, and it's not big enough. It's not, the, the scene is not too big for him. Well, he and everybody else have been raving about Dez, saying that yeah. he's been the most improved player, yeah. even though obviously Dak is in year two, that Dez has been the most improved player this offseason. In fact, our man Todd Archer, is predicting that he'll lead the league in touchdown catches after his first full and healthy offseason in a couple of years. You like that, Carl? I, yeah, I do. I, I think one thing, I think Des will be up there. I think the one thing you'll see with Dak is that last year he was throwing the ball a lot to Cole Beasley. He was safe routes, underneath routes, Jason Witten right in front of him. You're going to see him drive the ball down the field a lot more. Des is going to have some one-on-one opportunities this year, and he will exploit those. And Des is healthy. And that's the one thing, you know, coming into the season, he's fully healthy. He's, he understands the playbook. He understands the role, his role on this football team, and he wants to win a championship game. And I think this is the deal with the Cowboys right now. Right. They've changed. And the mentality is, is, for years has been me, me, me. Now it's about win the big game, win the next one, win, get past the, the, the Green Bay Packers, get past that, that monkey off their back that they had in the playoffs. They want to win a championship. And that's the first time I've really seen this team grow in that direction. Let me ask you something about where it all starts for the Cowboys. And that's the offensive line, which yeah. is not returning intact from last year's group. Right. I mean, they don't, whether it's Chaz Green or Jonathan Cooper at left guard, Lael Collins making a transition to right tackle. Like, is this line still all it's cracked up to be? Still, is it still the best line in the league despite I, the changes? I think it's still the best line in the league when you have Tyron Smith out there, who's probably the best left tackle in yeah. the league, and right. you have Zach Martin and right. Frederick. You still about have the paid. mainstay. You still you're about to get paid. <laughs> you have the three mainstays. I think the, the, the question mark is, can Lyle Collins mold into a, a player that can really help this football team? They, they're going to – listen, they lost Doug Free, who was their right tackle, who was the clear leader of this group, who was the guy who got them there early in the morning, who's the guy that made sure they all went fishing together. That was Doug Free. Well, Doug Free's moved on. He's retired. Yeah. So they're going to have to fill that void. But as far as athleticism, Lyle Collins is a better athlete than Doug Free ever thought about no doubt. being. Um, let's keep – you on with this genie hat yeah. since you uh, into predicting stuff. So Le'Veon Bell, he <laughs> says that he's good for 30 touches, uh-huh. all right, against the Browns. But come is on, that really now. going out come on the list? Is that really stop. going out no, of the list? Is that hard happen. to believe? It's, That's hard to believe. It's yeah, the Browns, man. Right. Right. I mean, yeah. <laughs> if he has <laughs> touched the ball 30 times, I'm with you. If he's got to touch the ball 30 times, there's problems <laughs> right. with Pittsburgh this week. I, I just think that the, the, the – 
they're going to bring him in slowly. I, okay. I remember when That's what we thought last year. Yeah. Off of suspension. Yeah, right. it's true. And they fed that this boy. Right. I just think, I, mean, well, I think they bring him in slowly because they're playing the Browns for one. I think they're going to be. Can you put a pause on the Browns slander just for a moment? If this was playing the Patriots, yeah, maybe he gets 20. So you say, so you, so basically what you're saying is he's not carrying, he's not touching the ball 30 times in the first half. Absolutely not. Because that's not. Like you said, if he does 30 times, it's an issue. Something is going terribly wrong. And you want you know what you want Le, Le, uh, Le'Veon Bell for the rest of the season. Yeah. Right. You want him to, you know he's got to go through some of those little knickknack injuries that you have, little hamstring, yeah. uh, you know fingers. The whole thing. he's got to go through that process, and he's not there yet. Just walk work him in there slowly, yeah. and then we'll see how it so, goes. All right, you gonna have all the Cleveland hate. Yeah. Yeah. You know they already <laughs> show, me. show me the lie. Show me the lie. Basically, look, he's ready for thirty. <laughs> Nobody will never be able to disprove him. <laughs> He's, He's an alien. He's different. He's ready for Fine. <laughs> Blow up my mentions. D-backs defeated the Dodgers yesterday for Arizona's 11th consecutive win, led by J.D. Martinez. Just had four home runs. Only the 18th four-homer game in Major League Baseball history. The second this season, the year of home runs. D-backs are the only team that's going streaking. Couldn't Everybody's resist. doing it. Could not resist. Yeah, I know. Uh, Indians have won 12 straight. And if both teams win tonight, Cleveland at the Chicago White Sox and Arizona at the Dodgers again, it will only be the second year in the modern era where multiple teams had a win streak of at least 12 games at the same time. The only year it happened was 2013 when the Braves and Tigers did it. Get this about the Indians. They haven't trailed for 67 innings. In other words, a week ago Monday, they're three games behind Houston for the best record in the AL. Haven't trailed for 67 innings. Let that sink in. You're so proud of this. And if that sink should give you problems, all you got to do is call up Aaron Rodgers, who's probably an all-pro plumber. (laughs) You're like Mario and Luigi there. (laughs) Sam Decker. Knows who to call when things get tough. Considering how cerebral he is, it wouldn't shock me if he was Probably really good, good at, at Justin Verlander is good at pitching. He's been especially good since July 30th, sporting a 2.06 ERA in seven starts since. That's the fourth best in the majors in that span, that 2.06 ERA. And for more on Verlander's debut against the Mariners tonight, we welcome in ESPN National Baseball writer Marley Rivera. Who we'll get to momentarily. Because we didn't time this right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Just so happens. Live TV ain't nothing like it. National Anthem. National Anthem is playing at the moment. All right. So we have a new segment. <laughs> We're calling it sure. Take It or Leave It. Call it what you want. So let's have some fun. I want to leave that behind just now. Can <laughs> uh, we leave that? We'll start with the, the, the meat. All right. Uh, Mike, according to Cleveland.com, the Cavs are taking calls about the next 2018 first round pick. Mike, the Cavs should trade the Nets pick, take it or leave it. Leave it. The Nets pick is way too valuable, obviously. And to trade it hastily to try to entice LeBron, which may not matter, to try to entice him uh, to stay, given that you went all in to go at the Warriors. No, you keep that pick. It's a strong draft. You build for the long haul. That team is presently constituted now is pretty daggone good. Now, somebody makes you a blockbuster deal that includes that pick, for a player that will be there long term, sure, but I don't see you that. You know, you happening. can't take and leave at the same time. I didn't time. do that just now. You I, I said leave it. But right. I mean, you gotta have the option to, you know, trade it if somebody comes along and gives you something crazy. No, I think you totally take this because. As in you trade it. As in you trade it because th- that pick and given how bad that the Nets will be is going to, I think, lure in some attractive offers. The kind of players who can be there that you can build on after like LeBron who? leaves. Like who? You never know. Like who? Could be on Boogie Cousins. One, like who? Could 
could be Anthony Davis. You never know. Only more than that. All right, Giancarlo Stanton hit his 53rd home run yesterday to match Roger Maris's pace when he is 61. Stanton season, all-time great. Take it or leave it. I'm going to leave this, and I hate to say this because this has been one of the more exciting storylines of the baseball season, but I just think there was a certain loss of innocence with home runs that occurred after that. You desensitized? I'm a little desensitized to it, and uh, unless you're going for the big, big number, and yeah, Statistically, he could still get that in by the big number. I mean, Barry Bonds' number, not Roger Maris's. I just think it's hard to get the nation involved in another home run chase like we were swept in before. And the Marlins, they're not relevant. I'm, I'm taking it based, I'm based off of this. I'm calling this an all-time great season based off the fact that he is 15 ahead of Aaron Judge, who's second with 38 home runs. The last time that the home run champ had at least 15 more homers than the next guy was 1932. And that's when Jimmy Fox had 58 to Babe Ruth's 41. So not since 1932 have we seen somebody, even in the era of, of increased home runs, we have not seen somebody have this big of a gap over the next closest competitor. So, yeah, it's all-time great. And I, and I get what you're saying, but like, let's say he gets to 62. The record is still 73, right. but this could be the best non-segregation, non-steroid era season we've seen in terms of home runs. All right, well, we'll keep it in baseball. The Dodgers have lost nine of the last ten games. Cause for concern, Mike. Take they missing the playoffs? No. Nope. They losing the division? No. Nope. They losing from here on out? No. Nope. All right, we can make this fast. I'm leaving that. <laughs> well, you basically. I'm going to say it some time. Yeah, you said what I wanted to say already. Like, I know Did that. you say. Ex- yeah. yeah. You basically summed it up perfectly. I know that given that kind of skid, especially this late in the year, then you see what the Diamondbacks are doing. They have yeah, their number. They do. And you you as a Dodger fan, I understand that you, ha- you, you want to internally panic, but they still have a stupid right. lead. They like, just won't be the 20, 2001 Mariners. Correct. You know? So that's it. So Dodger fans, calm down, relax. It's all good. All right. I told you, Phillip Rivers has been my favorite quarterback since he was slinging that thing with that visor at NC State. <laughs> He's making his commute from San Diego to the Chargers' new facility Ooh, in Costa Mesa in an SUV tricked out to be a mobile film room. It costs $200,000. Take it or leave it. That will make a difference for the Chargers this season. Oh, I'm taking that. because Already a sneaky sleeper team, right? Oh, the Chargers? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you say so, Mike. Right. But you and I have both driven in L.A. traffic before. It's Terrible traffic in general on the 405 from San Diego. Like, it's awful. And you want your QB in the right frame of mind. And did you see the inside of that? I had my first three apartments weren't that big. Yeah. So I think Phillip Rivers is going to be all right. He said he's rooting for freeway traffic because that gives him more, more film time. time. But yeah. now he still gets to be the family man. He and Kellen Clemens still get to break down film. And I'm serious about this team. I mean, nobody really talks about them, even though they're in L.A. and they're still kind of like under the radar. Right. But, you know, good news on their first round pick, Mike Williams, not on PUP over the weekend. Got some playmakers on defense and a lot of I weapons for him. Believe in your I'm telling you because I always feel like he gets a bad rap. All right, our NFL Nation Panthers reporter David Newton's bold prediction for the season is that Christian McCaffrey will win the Offensive Rookie of the Year. Take it or leave it, Mike. I'm taking it because they didn't take him eighth not to give him the ball. They're going to give him the ball in space. Or give him the ball. Diana Rossini talked about on uh, SportsCenter this morning. He has his own playbook. Which is pretty The boy has got his own money. He's got his own playbook. <laughs> yeah. Nobody can stop him in practice. I think he'll get enough touches to be a difference maker and be offensive rookie he's of the gonna year. Be Kareem an, Hunt's close for me. He's going to be an incredible weapon, and I know how people feel about the quarterback situation. But I'm going to go with Leonard Fournette, so I'm leaving this. All right? I, I think Because they never throwing in Jacksonville? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Doug Marone made that clear. He wants Blake Bortles to throw zero times. All right? And if you're Leonard Fournette, 
You're just excited beyond excited about that, even though they're going to use Christian McCaffrey in, in so many versatile ways. I got 15 and 18 in the 16-team PPR thinking league. About, I'm thinking it. about reaching for Christian. It's, not, it's only a reach based on rankings. Right. If he balls out like I think he will, it'll be great. Dan Ravel, honorary captain from Northwestern over the weekend. That almost turned out badly. <laughs> it could have been worse. He was doing the most, but he survived. <laughs> but look, how did he not get run over? That's the most Darren Ravel thing <laughs> of all time. I love how Darren Ravel he is. He's so into it. <laughs> so Darren Ravel right now. All right, Tennessee fan. Another Harlem Shake. Take that, take that. Shimmy, shimmy, ya, shimmy, yo, shimmy, You want game. the chance to make that trade, to trade that Brooklyn pick? I do. I think LeBron better give him a commitment. I'm still thinking about that. <laughs> uh, let's keep that. with that Tennessee game. All so, right. Paul Johnson, he made the bold decision to go for two. The right decision. In the win in the OT game last night. I thought it was a, the right decision, too. I loved it. Everybody right. says it's wrong when you don't get it. Well, and Quarterback had just scored. And ran they, 44 times with five touchdowns. Their defense was done. Okay. They the came up with a stop. Done. Credit Tennessee. Yeah, definitely a lot of credit goes to them. But however, this turnover trash can, this is like a thing now in college football where they're having these props. And if you're going to have a t- turnover trash can, you better make sure that you don't miss. Because some people, well, they miss. Why are you always pointing? Why you got to be negative? But it's not better than the turnover chain because that's the most Miami thing I've Rick ever James, seen. 33 chains. <laughs> a turnover chain that looks like that. Is this the first? I, you know the, the thing that stands out to me is like, why did somebody just now start doing like this at the U? A, a, you would a, think that you would have done this back in Michael Irvin. It gets Irvin better. Days. It gets better. New levels. The oh, pimp, so it wasn't the all bad news for AM. Pimp K. Like, now we. Come on. Save that do? for the game being over. <laughs> next <Right>. time. <laughs> Save that for the win. <laughs> Westgate Superbook in Vegas lists the Jets at 1,000 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. I think that's rather generous if you ask me. <laughs> oh, okay, well, this team. Hey, do you think they're they're running the table in reverse? Do they go on 116? <laughs> Backpedaling the table? Yeah. Do they go defeated? No. I, no. no <laughs> Will this team be worse than the Lions on 16 team? No, you can't get worse than the Lions on 16 team. That's <laughs> they might mathematically impossible. Out. Vegas says they've never seen longer odds, and rightfully so. Watch somebody place like 10 or $20 on it. Watch. Christian Ackerberg, third on the depth chart. Yeah. Uh, now, while Nick Saban was talking to Tom Rinaldi following Alabama's win over FSU, check out my man in the back. Right? All of a sudden, he's he's like, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Like, he remembered he had a warrant. <laughs> but all serious, that's Manuel DeLeon, a reporter for the Skyboat. He's a sports writer. He is. I think his Twitter is uh, inside the five. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he's owned it. He only says, thing, you'll never know. Well, he said, the only thing he said was, his old lady caught up to him. So I don't know what that means. He started to <laughs> you know, text. It was like, camera. you know what? <laughs> but real talk, man. You behind Nick Saban. <laughs> of course you're going to be on camera. <laughs> right. 45-year-old Oliver Strumpel broke the record for carrying 29 mugs of beer at once in Germany. That's like when you come back from the calf. Minus the beer. Because you, you have an amazing sense of balance. Wait, this is a real thing. Yeah. The beer carry. I'm just letting this. I'm processing just, this for the first time sink today. In. I'm letting that sink in. Exactly. <laughs> beer carrying championships. That's pretty impressive, actually. It is. I think you would do good at this, Mike. I would. So you can balance a bunch of stuff. I got amazing reflexes. I think I'll get by radio like the spider. So the, the FBI is asking residents to help identify this man who robbed two banks in Orange County. Clay Thompson, what were you doing on the night in question? Did you buy the beer at 1130? Because the robber looks... You had that saved in draft, didn't you? <laughs> I kind of The robber looks just like Clay Thompson, so much so that they were adding the FBI's Twitter handle and saying, nope, that's Clay Thompson. Can Why? I speak for all light-skinned dudes? We don't all look alike. 
joke. That, that could have been John B. For all you know. Come on, man. That's the joke, right? Like John B. Clay Thompson. <laughs> John B. Clay Thompson. Speak for your whereabouts. Clay Thompson was busy crossing over a dog. Speaking of crossovers, ooh, oh, oh. Lil Duval. That's that ludicrous celebrity game. Why are you guarding John Wall to begin with? But I gave him credit you know for that. You know what you're going to do, you? No, get what? <laughs> Discretion is the better part of valor, people. If anyone ever asks anything, I always, oh, my God. Oh. Ah. <laughs> what is that thing? Oh, my God, it looked like a dragon. She hit the deck. I'm saying when you're ready, Sloan, you won't have to dodge bullets. That's like me. I told you I've never been stung by a bee, and I'm like, you're in the Matrix every time you're around. Like, I'm, I'm stung. It's really way. not that bad. Okay. Yeah, well, I'm not I'll take your word for it. But it's, but just, it's just not that bad. Once again, you know you're rooting for her. I know you don't want to root against Venus, but you're rooting for her if she plays Venus. Well, good luck, Venus. You, Sloan versus you made Venus, a good point earlier. Venus legacy already said. I made a good point. What do you know? I know. First time for everything. Rockets will be sold for $2.2 billion to Tillman Fertitta. Fertitta offered $81 million to buy the Rockets in 1993, but the team was sold to Leslie Alexander for 85. He's worth 3.1 according to Forbes, so do the math. But good for him, native Houstonian from Galveston. I love the tone of the statement. The timing's not ideal, right. but the tone of the statement was great, given everything going on in Houston. And you got James Harden saying he's a rocket for life. It's a good team to buy in on for 2.2 bill. Most importantly, he owns Mastro's. Great place. Love that place. Great place. All right, before we call it a day, tell the people about a good day. All right, Holly Neher of Hollywood High School became the first female in the state of Florida to throw a touchdown pass in a game, 42-yard touchdown. One more touchdown. And I, nah, I think I threw a couple in my day, but congratulations. <laughs> they lost 21-7. Also, shout out to USC long snapper Jake Olson. He's been named Pac-12 Special Teams Player of the Week after snapping for a successful extra point in a win over Western Michigan. In case you didn't know, he's blind. And after the game, he said, if you can't see how God works things out, then I think you're the blind one. Amen. Pete Carroll said he couldn't stop shedding tears. Whew, God worked this show out. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>